welcome to Hashtag Skinthusiast, the podcast, a place for listeners to hear from the experts and soak in tangible tips to get that glow from the inside out. I'm Amy, a skincare educator, practicing dermatology PA, and beauty creator who bridges the gap between you and the industry. Listen in to the industry's top experts on everything from the best way to spot treat a pimple, which skincare ingredients we shouldn't be mixing, to the drugstore finds that are better than luxury price tags. We cover it all. Here, dermatologists, skincare experts, brand founders, and thought leaders will share their tips and tricks for all things beauty, skincare, and wellness. Think of hashtag Skinthusiasts like a coffee chat with the beauty gurus whose brains you've always wanted to pick. You won't get this kind of insight anywhere else. Your best skin is coming soon. Today on the pod, we are chatting with Patricia San Pedro, a holistic esthetician and the author of Face Fitness, Simple Exercises and Rituals for Toned, Glowing Skin. Patricia has the most beautiful complexion and she brings a point of view that I find so interesting and one I'm going to work on implementing in my own routine. So let's get into it. Patricia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to hear from you. This You're going to be kind of the first guest I'm going to be having on that is from the more holistic realm. And I have personally always been really interested in face fitness and different things that we can do at home to kind of preserve our beauty and preserve our youth. So for somebody who doesn't know, can you give us a little intro into what face fitness actually is? Yes. So face fitness is a bunch of customizable moves and sequences that you can use using just your hands. And I like to say healing hands because your hands are really the best tools that you have for lifting and toning your skin. Of course, with the use of skincare and creams and oils um, as your medium, it's an amazing tool that you can use um, and have in your toolbox for skincare. So face fitness is all about um, lifting, toning, and creating a wellness aura for yourself. And it's in a book. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the book. The book is 50 moves and it starts with your neck and it goes up along the face. So it's really about picking the moves that you connect with and then creating a sequence for yourself. It also has yoga, which I don't talk that much about and I haven't, but um, it's such a big part of the entire book in actuality because it's all about inner glow and outer outer glow. So glowing from the inside out is really what I like to talk about in the book, throughout the book, and with all the affirmations and meditative things that we talk about in the book is is really uh, what face fitness is about. I love that you mentioned that it's kind of customizable and you can kind of pick the ones that work for you because this is something I say in clinic all the time. I can recommend something, but if you're not going to be using it every single day, you're not going to see the impacts. So kind of cherry picking the exercises that work best for your routine or the massages that work best for your routine. I think that's amazing because then you can, as you said, really tailor your routine for your concerns, but also what's realistic for you because not everybody wants to spend 20, 30 minutes in front of the mirror. And I, the same with the skin care routine. You know, I hear that all the time. So really being able to tailor it to your needs is so, so important. So 
I always start the podcast by asking my guests, what is your first skincare memory? I love this question. I have so many skincare memories as a kid, just because my mom was probably such a big influence and my uh, stepdad also was such a big influence. But I always remember going into the fridge and you know, trying to find a snack, but instead finding skincare products like on the side panels and also aloe vera plants just in the fridge hanging out because um, we had plants all over the house and my mom would grab uh, the aloe leaf and she would make masks for me uh, as a kid um, because I had dry skin and Sometimes I would have um, sunburns, you know, sometimes in the summer that happens with kids and she would just rub the aloe all over. And that was kind of my first real memory of skincare in the house. Wow. So this was really ingrained in you from such a young age. That's so interesting. I think a lot of times, you know, in, I, I think at least in Western culture now where it's kind of our, my generation that's bringing the skincare home. Like I don't really remember my mom. I mean, she used like Avon or something, but I don't remember it being so ritualistic like it is for our generation. So what, what kind of, made your mom so interested in it? Was she, is that something that she took on from her mom as well at a young age? I think it's more of a cultural thing. We didn't really separate skincare from lifestyle. I think especially in Korea, growing up in Korea, skincare was just a part of a household and it wasn't even gender specific. I had mentioned my stepdad was a big influence as well and it wasn't only for women, like it is kind of in Western culture, it's rarely accentuated for women. And it, in Korea, if you go look back into the history of just Korean beauty, it's all about having really bright, glowing skin, and it's a reflection of your inner health, which I think is why it's such just such a lifestyle. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's from her mother. It's just something that Koreans and Korea. It's truly ingrained in the culture and in yes. so many ways, it sounds like. So at what point did you move to the United States? How old were you? I was actually born here. Okay. Not a lot of people know that I was born in Wisconsin, but I do have a lot of influence, Korean influence, because I did go to Korea a lot when I was little. I see. Okay. That's amazing. Do you still visit now? I haven't been in the longest time just because of life and little ones, but I do want to take them. My very first memory of Korea was when I was three years old. So I definitely do want to take my kids very soon. Just haven't done that just yet with them. Yeah. Yeah. You have four children. So I can imagine that that would be quite an undertaking to get the whole family over there, but hopefully you'll be able to do that. Can you give us a little uh, insight into your career journey? I have a lot of followers who are aspiring estheticians or really want to get into the skincare space. And I know they'd be interested to hear about how you got to where you are today. Yes, I'd love to. So I started actually in fashion. I went to school for fashion and then Fast forward, I ended up working as a social media director at an agency, and it was a really beautiful agency, and I thought I had my dream job, but at the end of the day, I was still kind of just working on, you know, the works of others, and which I truly loved at that time, and I think it was such a great inspiration, and that kind of some ignited in me something that was deeper, and I did want to pursue my own creative aspirations. And so I ended up 
healing from within by starting my yoga teacher journey. I didn't realize that was something that I was going to get into straight from agency life to barefoot, like from stilettos to bare feet. (laughs) And I really enjoyed movement. And I realized how actually insecure I was. And I wasn't really confident from inside from the inside. And so that's when I first started my journey into yoga. And then I started teaching Megaformer Fitness at SLT in New York City. And then that turned into me um, also just caring about overall wellness and looking back into my own history of skincare and really loving all aspects of it and teaching that to my clients and my private clients. I had a class called Yoga Glow, which we would do Shavasana and we would apply sheet masks on everybody. That is so cool. At the end of class. And so that's kind of how it all started. Wow. So it sounds like your journey was super organic and almost like you couldn't hide from this skincare part of you, right? Like this right. this was really kind of a true part of your personality and, and you're so knowledgeable about it. And it seems like it just kept coming up for you until you finally embraced it. Yeah. It didn't really come into full circle until recently when I finally was like, I want to be in the treatment room and I want to touch faces and be face-to-face with faces, not just be on YouTube talking about skincare or on Instagram showing you face fitness rituals. It really came down to me really wanting to help clients one at a time. I love that. And you have a beautiful studio here in Miami. So did the studio come first or did the book come first? The book came first and I actually wanted to open the studio at the same time as the book. But of course, the pandemic had happened and it wasn't the best time I had got pregnant and it was not yet the best time. And so I kind of kept it in the back of my mind for a while and thought maybe this isn't for me. And then I realized after uh, my face fitness event in Miami that I got a sign and was like, you know what, this, I, I really, really want to do this. And so I, I just did it in over the summer and opened Sunina Skin Studio and it's been great so far. That's amazing. And what a lesson in timing, right? Like I'm a firm believer that the universe really directs us where we need to go. And it sounds like that's kind of exactly what happened. Maybe it wasn't the perfect time in the beginning, but now kind of everything is, is moving as it should be. Right. You're always in the right place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So can you tell us a little bit about your own personal morning skincare routine? How many steps is it? Do you change it up or do you stick to one, you know, sequence? What what does it look like? So it's very much more simple than you would think. I don't wash my face because my nighttime routine is so is so important and it's so thorough that my morning routine is just about toning my face with rose water toner. And then I would go into with a hydrating serum, uh, my moisturizer and my sunscreen. And that's really it in the morning. If I wake up with a little puffiness, I'll do like two minutes of gua sha. 
And, and then I'm out the door with my kids running to, you know, their drop-offs and things like that. So at night, that's when you really have maybe a little bit of a longer routine. And is this where you're doing your, your face fitness and during your nighttime routine? So actually I do do my face fitness in the morning as well, but it's kind of, it's, it's important to note in face fitness. One of the most important things is that you don't have to take extra time in your day to do it. So as you're applying your toner or as you're applying your moisturizer, your serums, you can do face fitness while you're applying it. So all of those things are being done. Um, at nighttime, I also, I don't take extra time to do my face fitness routines in actuality. I, I might do a little extra on my neck, but all of my skincare application is done while I'm doing my face fitness moves. I love that. That's something I can get on board with. Yes. <laughs> something that's easy to kind of incorporate into your routine. Exactly. That's exactly what I want. Because we're all busy, no matter what you do, if, whether you're a mom or you're not, or you're, everybody is kind of busy. So I, the idea of face fitness is not having it be like, I have to do this. It's more about learning it once and how to apply your face creams correctly and also to benefit you at the same time. And that was the whole point of the face fitness moves. I love that. And back to kind of growing up, was this something that your mom was doing as well when she was applying her products or is this something you learned later? She did apply them in a certain way. Um, one specific memory, I guess this is also a skincare memory is that she would slap her face. Like you could hear the slaps. And so this is a really great way to wake up your face and wake up the circulation under the skin and really tone the skin. And so she would apply all of her face creams in this way. And when she'd wash her face, it would always be in kind of an upward motion and outwards And that always actually stuck with me. So I always knew that for whatever reason, I didn't know the reasons back then, but I always knew that you should always go upwards and outwards. But come to find out, it's a great way to lift. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you, how did you kind of get into more of the specifics of face fitness? Did you train with someone or was it just, you were so interested that you kept kind of researching for yourself. And that's kind of what brought you to bring the book so that there was a, to write the book so that there was a resource. Yeah. So I, um, was at the bookstore a lot growing up. I was at Barnes and Noble a lot and I'd always kind of go into either astrology or, um, the self-care self-help section where there'd be books and, um, books about face yoga. And I would look into those and, I was really interested in face yoga specifically. I remember just looking at and watching, reading through all of the books and indulging. I would spend Saturdays just sitting and reading. And that's where it kind of really started formally for me of thinking of movement for your face as actual uh, workouts and This also really started when I was teaching fitness as well. Like if you can move the body, your body and work out your body, you can definitely do the same for your face and not necessarily, you know, opening up your jaw for extended amount of time, but, you know, movement through touching and your hands. 
That's so interesting. And I don't know, I'm sure you've probably seen, but there was actually a recent study that came out that showed that people as they age who continue to work out by lifting weights and increasing muscles like resistance and weight training to increase muscle actually age slower, which I think makes sense, right? Because if you, which is is exactly kind of what about face fitness makes sense to me as well is if you're keeping that tone and structure in the skin, your your skin is going to just kind of lay over the underlying structures a little bit better and you're going to be able to keep that more youthful appearance. So I was excited when I saw that study because I think there are some things that we can do. I think sometimes, especially in the Western world, we think if it's not Botox or filler, it's not effective. And that couldn't be further from the truth in my opinion. I think there's so many things we can do in our daily routines just to kind of help keep that more youthful appearance. And exactly like you said, wake up our skin, right? Our skin is not just fat and, you know, bony structures. We need that circulation to help it look youthful and healthy and all these things help increase that. Yes, exactly. And it really is a compound effect in your skin when you are habitual about it and you're consistent with it and it just comes to you as second nature, you won't really need to rely on all of those other external things that are not as uh, natural to you. And you're able to have skincare and your your face is really in your hands. Like you can, you can manipulate your face in any way that you want to naturally. So in when you're in the studio and you're working on a client, are you doing similar moves on them when you're doing their facials and things like that? Yes, I always do face fitness on my clients. I'm always doing some sort of gua sha, um, promoting circulation. And it's really, I believe, the most important part of the entire facial is the movement and the circulation. When they leave, they feel like they've literally just been transported to another place and just the way that they glow they're just rested and happy and relaxed and I feel that is really because of the face fitness do you find that your clients are interested in kind of learning the techniques when they're with you like do they kind of ask you to show them so they can do it at home or are most of them like no I'm here for you to do it and I'll I'll be back in (laughs) three weeks or whatever yeah so Honestly, home care is really, really important. It's probably 80% of your at, you know, entire facial care is to do it at home and to continue at home. And so my number one thing is to really educate them on how to do things and how to use their tools properly once they leave the studio. It's so important for them to know how to use the gua sha. And sometimes as I'm giving the treatments, I will share with them, see, this is the pressure you want to use. And this is a little bit too hard. I want them to feel it on their skin so that when they go home, they know how to use and how much pressure and how many times and all those different logistics. I think that's a really good point for someone who's listening and wants to implement this in their routine, having that touch point, because you can watch a million YouTube videos on how to do these things, but having actual hands on your face to, like you said, show you the pressures that you should be using, the motions you should be using, how sh- how it should feel, how, it, how the tool should feel in your hand. I think that's so important because we, I know that there's a lot of 
of nuance with these techniques and you the the pressure that you're using and the way you're using them. So I think that's a really good tip. If someone's really interested in implementing this, trying to find someone, obviously if you're in Miami, you, you're already set up, but if you're elsewhere, trying to find someone who can actually show you the proper way to do these things so you get the most benefit out of them at home. Yeah, and that was one of the barriers that I had with just online teaching or online uh, sharing the rituals online is I would always get that question of how much pressure and you can describe it in such a way, but to feel it is a completely different sense that you can't really get from just online. Yeah, absolutely. So even if it's someone who maybe doesn't want to commit to doing that regularly, even just having somewhere to come in to maybe even once a quarter just to get a refresh on how to do those things at home, I think is is so beneficial. So regarding Korean skincare, what do you think that K-Skin gets right that we're missing the boat on here in Western societies? A few years ago, I read somewhere uh, that Korean beauty was all about surgeries. And that kind of didn't put me in a very, you know, I didn't really like that way of thinking of Korean beauty because I believe that in Korea, they're so advanced in their technology because they are so beauty focused. And so you can say that about, you know, surgery, you can say that about um, their tools, their skincare, their ingredients, their technologies behind skincare, like all of it. So just to pinpoint one thing, I think is a very not so great way of looking at it. And so I think what's lost here is actually how simple Korean skincare actually is. And of course, our friend Charlotte has made the 10 step skincare, Korean skincare steps so great and so amazing and so famous, but it's really about creating a regimen that is holistic. It's actually very holistic because it is plant-based. A lot of the ingredients are from ancient Joseon times, which is, you know, all about rice water. Back then it was all about rice water. And you see those ingredients now. You even see DIYs of people doing rice water toners and cleansers. And so if you really think about what it was back then, it's really about bringing holistic treatments into your ingredients. And also knowing that the reason for the skincare is so that you can have the most glowing skin on the outside, because it is a representation of your soul and your inner being and your inner health. And that's what Korean beauty is about to me, is your inner health and your inner vibrancy. And I think it's important as we as we start to kind of adopt some of these practices, especially with the rise of social media and people like you who are taking your time to teach us how to do these things, I think it's important we honor the intent behind them, right? Not just take them at surface value and throw them into our routines. I think kind of understanding the the culture and the intent behind these practices is really important, not only for getting the most out of them, because I, I really think that energy has to be there, right? You have to be bringing that positive energy to a practice that you're basically borrowing from another culture. You know, you want to come with that positive light and understanding. But also just, I think it's it's good practice as a society when we're, again, borrowing these, these practices from people who have been using them for centuries. You know, I think it's really important to understand. So what are some of your favorite at-home tools to incorporate into your regimen and to the routines of your clients as well? I love, I think 
Many people know that I love, love, love uh, gua sha and body gua sha tools. I also love dry brushing. And so I would say I keep it very simple at home. I don't have like, I have a bunch of tools with the ones that I always end up going back to are the stones, the very earthly stones that I just love to go back to. It's easy. It's, I don't have to charge it. (laughs) It's just something that's always there. And so just the feeling after is what makes me love them so much. Yeah. As I'm like listening to you talk and watching your glowing skin and just hearing how easily you implement it. I, these are things that I, sometimes I'll be good at doing them for a few days in a row and then I'll kind of fall off. So I think I need to, and probably similar to most of the audience, just kind of get back into it and make it a true habit in your routine so that you can kind of start to see those results. And then that will motivate you even more to keep using them. It sounds like. Yeah. And one other little hack is to have your tools like right by your toothbrush or things that you do every day anyway, and have them by your skincare. So it's easy to just grab and do it for a few minutes and then put it back into your spot. Yeah. And I think there's like a little barrier in the beginning because it seems so overwhelming and you don't feel like you're doing it right. Or there's so many different techniques for different areas of the face. But as you said earlier, I think just finding a few that work for you, once you do them a few nights in a row, you're going to get used to it. It's going to be like second nature to you. And it's just going to kind of be super easy to implement into your routine. And I'm talking to myself as well when I say this. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a great (laughs) reminder. Everyone needs that reminder because, you know, we don't have that, um, if it's not a habit already, it's hard to grab that habit. So putting it somewhere easy is a good way to just see it. And what a good way to like, what a good ritual in your evening routine, just to kind of wind down. We're also hooked on our technology. And I know I'm like gearing up for this, the launch of this podcast and a new website. So the, like the past couple of weeks, I've been totally off my game and I've been staying up late on my devices. And I know it's just a season that I'm in right now. Cause I'm usually really, intent. I have a lot of intent behind my, my height, my sleep hygiene, but right now it's just not happening. So what a good way to just kind of wind down and kind of get back in touch with yourself before you lay your head down at night. I totally get where you're coming from because the studio opening was the same way for me, just, you know, just a few months out of season and then get back on it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important to look at it that way too, because for myself three or five years ago, I think I would have looked at this like a failure of not being able to keep my routine, but I'm coming into it with this mindset of, well, there's just something that's taking priority right now. And while my health is obviously always the top priority in the health of my family, this is just a little temporary thing that I have to put a little bit more energy into. And then, as you said, just kind of get right back into your routine after and not be so hard on yourself about it. So back to at-home tools. So you're not really using like an LED mask or or a microcurrent. You're just going straight to the gua sha and and dry brushing and things like that. My everyday is gua sha and dry brushing. Not everyday for dry brushing, but every two to three times a week. Body gua sha and gua sha is almost every day. So gua sha is like four or five times a week. And then my once a week, I will go in with something else. Like it depends really... Um, LED lights, I like to go in at least once every two weeks. And then of course there's so many other different things, but, um, I, I like to break it into, uh, you know, categories and see how, what my skin needs at the time, which is why, you know, knowing your skin is so important. Knowing what you're going through in the moment is very important. So you can grab what you need at the moment. 
Yeah, listening to your skin, I think, is the theme throughout whatever you do in your skincare routine, really understanding what your skin needs, how it feels, and tailoring your your regimen and your treatments to that, I think, is so, so beneficial. So you're doing body gua sha as well. How long does that take you? That is actually really easy for me because I only have a few pain points in my body, which is my wrists, thank you to the iPhones, right? And my hands, my arms. I like to do my neck and decollete. And that's about it. Sometimes I'll go to my tummy. But other than that, it's very short and sweet, very easy. So it's like four or five minutes tops. And when you're doing these exercises, so you said on your face, it's just you're you're doing these things just with your regular skincare. With gua sha, are you adding an extra oil before or just whatever you have on your face from your routine? Just what I have on my face from my routine. And I'll just treat it the same way as I do with the face fitness exercises. It's already incorporated. And then if I need to add on more after I'm done with my gua sha tool, I will add more whatever it is, the serums or the oils, whichever, wherever I am in my step. Got it. And for your body, are you using a body oil before you're doing the gua sha? Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your go-to? Right now I'm using salt air, salt air. Oh yeah, Yeah. of course. Love love all the different uh, oils that they have. So it depends on which color, but right now I'm using the orange one, which I don't know. I think it's passion fruit. Mm -hmm. Awesome. It's probably a good, I'm sure you get sent a lot of things to test too. So it gives you an opportunity to kind of test how it works, you know, with your exercises and and your tools as well. Yes, I I do get a lot of really great, amazing oils and stuff from the body oils from Salt Air are really, really good. Love them. This episode is brought to you by Current Body. If you've tuned into my Sunday Q&As on Instagram, you know that I use my Current Body mask religiously. The Current Body LED mask combines red and near-infrared light to increase collagen, calm inflammation, boost circulation, and improve skin tone. These masks, when used as directed, can actually make a difference in the quality of your skin without any disruption or abrasion of the skin itself. The Current Body LED mask at the recommended wavelengths of 633 nanometers and 830 nanometers is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by 35% in just four weeks, and 95% of users said their skin tone, texture, and firmness was improved. At 10 minutes, only three to five times per week, the time commitment for this mask is low, and I'll often just wear it while I meditate in bed for 10 minutes. It's one of those devices I think is actually worth our hard-earned money. You can use code CBAMY for 15% off your purchase at currentbody.com. And if you want to be a little extra like me, go for the neck and deck mask too. They can be used at the same time, and one of my pro tips is to also treat the neck and chest as you do your face. Nobody wants a decollete that looks 10 years older than your face. So you have four children. What is your skincare routine like during pregnancy? What changes do you make to your routine, if any? I think the main change would probably be moisturizing extra, extra during this time. Not just my belly, but also my entire like face just doing actually, I think I was doing a lot of slugging also at the time. I just felt like I needed more. And the other thing I did was I, I rarely use things that are not safe for pregnancy while I'm not pregnant anyway. So I don't have any retinols. I don't do any of those. So I've 
just kept it very simple. Still, I had the same routine. I think I just added more hydration and moisture. And what about belly oils? Was there anything specific you used or just your usual body oils? I just had my usual body oils. I did use a lot of the the Aura body oil from Wildling, which I, I love also. I did do dry brushing also around the legs. I, I skipped the belly, but I did all areas around um, where you usually see lines and creases and stuff while you're pregnant. And that really helped with like sciatica and all of those different types of pains that you get during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I'm sure you get this question all the time about belly oils, but it's one of the most common that I get. And I always tell people really, it's just about moisturizing and keeping the skin comfortable. So it's not itchy, but there really isn't a lot of data that the oils, you know, we know that stretch marks are pretty much genetic. So there was one study that showed almond oil paired with massage, but really what it looks like, the benefit is keeping the skin moisturized and massaging. So that, I mean, that just sounds lovely to me anyway. So why not incorporate that into your routine? Yeah. Keyword comfortable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. As much as possible. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about the benefits of dry brushing? Dry brushing is really great for top two things is exfoliating the surface of the skin. It really gives you like a brightened skin. And then the combination of increasing circulation under the skin post showering is just the most amazing feeling. You feel like you just went to the spa had a full spa day when you're out of the shower. So exfoliation and circulation. So you're showering first and then completely drying off and then using your brush. Is that how you do it? No. So I'm dry brushing first and then that's when the dead skin cells come off and then you can shower. And then right after oil, which is really great once your skin is slightly damp, it's the best time to put on oil and then your you can either be done or you can move on with gua sha, body gua sha if you want. And, but just the combination of dry brush, shower, and oil is amazing. Okay, I'm going to have to try this. So I've been sent actually a few uh, dry brushes, and they range from like really thick and dense to very soft. So how do you feel? What do you think is the best for your skin? Because I tried the dense one, and honestly, it like scratched me. And then this really soft one was so soft, I didn't really know how it would make much of a difference. Yeah, so the harder bristles are really great for skin types that can handle it. If you have a very sensitive skin type or if you get red very easily, then the softer bristles obviously would be better. The harder bristles, they do soften over time. You can also uh, add a little water on top to make it a little bit more flexible to your skin. And so it wouldn't be as harsh, but I, I really like the hard bristles. My, my skin can handle it. Um, I would just also like 90% less pressure and you're good. Just like the very tops of your skin. And that's all you really need. That's probably what I was doing wrong. Now that I think about it, I was probably pressing way too hard and using way too much pressure. Yeah. The pressure really matters. Okay. So we have some audience questions. When I mentioned you were coming on, they were very interested in hearing about a couple specific recommendations from you, if you're willing to share. And one of them is choosing oil for facial massage for acne prone skin. If you, if they wanted to have a specific oil in their routine, what would you recommend? I love the sea buckthorn brightening oil by Wildling. And I also love the clarity oil by Botnia, 
And they're both great for acne prone skin because there are antibacterial ingredients and plant-based extracts in them. And if you don't want to use an oil, that's also fine. If you want to use like a serum, if you want something a little bit lighter and your skin doesn't like the oil, then serums are really also a great option. I think that's a great takeaway from this episode that, you know, people might be a little bit afraid to try these things thinking that they have to put a heavy oil on their face to do so. But as we know now, you can just use your regular skincare routine so you're not changing anything in your routine or adding anything that you're afraid your skin might react to. It's really just your hands that you're adding in. Right. Okay, and what what would you say are your top three facial exercises for somebody who's just starting? My three uh, favorites that I think have been the most popular are the uh, cheek push-ups, which is literally just like slapping your face, and then jawline sculpt, which is peace fingers, bend, and sculpting upwards, and then... The last one is just a recommendation, not necessarily the most popular, is uh, touching the neck. And really, I like to use my knuckles here and just massage downwards. And as I'm watching you do this, I'm curious, are the exercises you're using with your hand, are they very similar to what you're doing with the gua sha? It's just the difference is the tool and the pressure. They're a little bit different as far as movement, because there are definitely a little bit more complex moves in the face fitness book with the gua sha, you can turn it a little bit more complex. For instance, for smile line protocols, you can use the edges of the gua sha to really, you know, tune it and however you want to, but it's pretty much using the base of the gua sha for your face all over and lifting upwards and outwards is probably the most important key thing here. Okay. For both. Okay. That's good to know. And, um, if you could only personally do one of the exercises for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? Just one. Um, yes, you have to pick one. I would have to do, I would have to pick a neck exercise, probably the neck release because the neck release really helps with moving circulation and moving, getting lymphatic drainage in and activating that. So I would do the neck release. <laughs> and when you're doing your face and neck exercises, do you do the face first or the neck first? Because I've seen people say you're supposed to activate this area before then moving on to the face. But then I've also seen people say, well, you want to drain what's up here, what you just moved out of the way down the neck. I always recommend starting with the neck first. However, if you want to start with your face, it's not, it's not going to harm you, you know, it's just more effective to start with your neck and then your face and then drain, drain the neck again. Okay. So you do the full neck, then the full face, and then maybe just some, a little bit extra at the neck after. Exactly. Okay. That makes the most sense to me. Okay. And any tips for puffy under eyes? Puffy under eyes, more sleep (laughs) and, you know, obviously. Yeah. But I really like to use the right eye cream for you. Stick with an eye cream regimen. And then um, there are face fitness moves that you can do, which are really amazing for the eye area, under eye area, puffy eyes. And then I cold plunge every day. One of the things I do in my cold plunge, which I see on TikTok everywhere, the ice facials where they're just dumping their face into a bowl of ice and water. 
that's a really great way to dip off your face. And so I, I think just cold roller or anything like that after you're done with your eye massage, your eye cream, a cold roller or an ice dunk. <laughs> Yeah. I'm actually a big fan of cold therapy. I know there's a lot of, like in the derm world, a lot of talk about not doing it because of the broken capillaries and things like that. But obviously more, some people are more prone to those things than others. And I will say that I actually am more prone to them. But to me, like my parents live in Ohio and whenever I'm there in the winter, I always walk with my dad every morning. When I get inside, I'm like, my face is 10 times different than it is in Miami. Like I am so much less puffy. Like I actually feel like a true snatch in my skin just from the cool air, the cold air on my skin. So I'm a big fan. I keep an ice roller in my fridge. I don't like to keep it in the freezer, but I do keep it in the fridge. And I like to use that before like filming or anytime I feel like I'm puffy and I see a big difference. Yeah. 100%. I I feel the difference. I see the difference. It's great. I see nothing wrong with cold therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. If you're, if your skin can take it, I love it. What are your favorite sunscreens? Anything you're using in a rotation that you love right now? It's been Beauty of Joseon for a really long time now. It used to be Super Goop, but now it's kind of just Beauty of Joseon every single day. And I think it's because they came out with their sun serum and their sun serum is just so easy to apply that um, that's that's my favorite. I haven't tried that one, but my friend Ramon did the collab with them for the sun stick. Oh yeah. He's a cosmetic chemist. And so he like helped formulate that sun stick. And I love that. It's my favorite sun stick I've ever used for reapplication. Yeah. My son loves it. I, I saw that campaign. That's a really great campaign. He sh- shared a tutorial of how to apply it, which I thought was a great tutorial. So yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times we're, we're, especially for reapplication, a lot of times we're doing it incorrectly or not effectively enough, which actually that was one of the questions I had for you. What is your favorite way to reapply sunscreen when you're wearing makeup? The best way, there are sunspray, sunscreen sprays and mists and everything. I just don't believe it's a great way to reapply. It's a great way to apply after your actual reapplication. So I just like to go in with the real cream just as I would and rub it in my hands first and then just really press it into my skin. I'll wait about two to three seconds in each area and just press it in. That way it's over makeup, but I'll still get like a a glossy finish, but I'm also pressing the sunscreen into my skin. Maybe my makeup will get messed up a little bit if I'm wearing heavier makeup, but it hasn't been an issue for me. So I, that's how I reapply my sunscreen. Whenever I share about reapplying sunscreen, I get so many comments about the makeup being disrupted. And I'm like, that's just kind of the price you pay, honestly. There isn't a, there isn't a full you know, fire way to reapply without disrupting your makeup. That's just the reality. And the other reality is if you're somebody who's not spending a lot of time outside and you're not dealing with hyperpigmentation, you probably actually don't really need to reapply. But if you're someone like me who deals with melasma and, you know, we know that visible light makes it worse, I have to reapply. I don't have a choice. So it's all those lifestyle things. And if you're someone who is dealing with something that's light sensitive, you're that's going to be more important to you than disrupting your makeup. So it's all a give and take. You kind of have to decide what's right for for your own routine. Yeah. I think I used to care a little bit more about the makeup thing, but as I get a little bit more older and get more into skincare, I realize that I care more about my skincare than I do about my makeup. Yeah. Healthy skin is the best foundation. That's what I always say. So if you're working on improving your complexion, then that's going to take you further than potentially disrupting a little bit of makeup because hopefully you'll get to the point where you're not really relying on that makeup. That's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. 
So what should somebody with acne-prone skin, this was another reader question, what should they ask their facialist for in their facial? I'm a big fan of just kind of letting your concerns be known and trusting that you're getting what you need, especially when you're going to somebody like you or someone who's very experienced. But any tips that you have for someone who might not live in South Florida? Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. You really do have to trust your esthetician and that comes down to who are you choosing and what are their philosophies. So in my room, it's all about vegan, organic, clean ingredients. But what does that really mean? That also means my, one of my pillars for skincare is to be gentle and to look at the entire complexion versus just the pimples or the bacterial acne or whatever it is you're going through it's a more holistic approach and really viewing it as something that you need to nourish and care for versus, you know, zap and, you know, slow away. It's really about making sure that you um, take care of the face in a, with integrity. I really love that. I think that's something that is obviously sometimes missed when it comes to especially treating acne in 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 the facial room in in my room as a dermatology provider. I think it's really easy to look at someone's skin and also see their suffering and say I want to throw this this and this at it, but we know the most effective way is yes to target the acne, but to really nourish the skin, support the skin barrier. You know, we don't we don't want to anchor it. We are not trying to um like you said, kind of scared away with lots of scary ingredients. It's really about picking one or two things that will target the acne and the rest is really just to nourish the skin and and keep that skin barrier integrity. It's so important. So um, I want to talk a little bit about cosmetic procedures. I know you mentioned that you've been doing this for so long. You think that it really does have uh, any effect on, on the skin and you don't really see yourself seeking those things, but is it something you've ever done or are interested in doing? And if, if not, are there any that you like better than others when it comes to cosmetic procedures? Yeah, I think, um, because when I was younger, I had gone to so many different types of estheticians and had different treatments. The ones that I didn't like were the ones that were so invasive and had you know, had me have downtime, which I didn't really like. And so that's why my approach is very gentle and holistic and more about slow treatments and, but effective over time. And for me, that goes into play for even, you know, the filler Botox world. I haven't had it because I just, I'm not genuinely, I'm not interested right now. And I, really believe in what I'm doing with the holistic care. And I do see a difference day to day. I do see a difference from even five years ago and from till now of just maintaining the way that I feel. And it's been great. I don't feel like I need to look anywhere else because of that. I love that. And I think one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on is just to provide somebody with a different option or a different point of view when it comes to cosmetics, because obviously what I do in clinic is is more invasive procedures. That's the training that I have. And it's something I do for myself, but it's not for everybody. And I, I have such a great interest in this area as well, because I think it's 
if you if it is something you're doing, if you're doing Botox and filler, this is still a compliment that you can add into your routine. And maybe it's going to help you in a way that you didn't even expect. So that was really important to me to have somebody like you on who brought this different perspective to this whole world of cosmetics. And I wanted to ask too, your journey with social media, because we do have a lot of, I do have a large audience who is interested in kind of getting into the social media world. Maybe they're already an esthetician or a provider, or maybe that's their interest eventually, but it can be really hard. And and I saw recently a post that you posted about some women who were uh, in your comments, your strap had fallen down during one of your facials from your top. (laughs) And these women had these outrageous comments saying that you were like, did it on purpose. And I just want to know, you're obviously a beautiful woman. And I think that sometimes somebody who's beautiful and smart on social media, for some reason, there's this hate from other women and I don't quite understand it, but what's been your experience and how do you handle that? So that particular post was really funny to me because, um, you know, of course, always the people making those types of comments are from an account that have no picture and, you know, you don't know who they are. So you really don't know who they are. You don't know where they're coming from. And so I always like to look at it from a place of empathy. And I find it really natural to me for me to pay attention to those comments in a way that doesn't necessarily make me feel bad, but it makes me want to address it if I do address it and say, you know, why would you feel this way? And I did create another post that said, what is it that triggers you? Maybe this is a great time to reflect and see what it is within you that is uncomfortable and, you know, figure that out for yourself. Because that for me was how I figured out for myself, what was making me uncomfortable when I was back at the agency? Why was I feeling so uncomfortable? Because I wanted to do the things that they were doing. And so that was one of my triggers. And I like to, you know, throw it back at people sometimes and say, Hey, like what, you know, look at what's going on. Really? It's not about my strap. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And have, were you always that way or did, did it take you time to have this? Cause that's a very mature and understanding way to look at the situation. I think I initially would have been like, what the hell is this? You know, and you just kind of, it's, it's frustrating. Did it take you some time on social media because you've been doing this for a while to get to that place where you could have that? Yeah, I think so. I think in the beginning it was like, first of all, I don't get that many, you know, hateful comments and things. I think I find the landscape to be actually very supportive. And I think it's because I turn my head to those types of people and comments more. And it's very rare that I'll get those other types of comments. And so I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't pay attention to it as much. I do think that the skin space in general tends to be really supportive, especially on Instagram. I think TikTok is kind of another beast, but on Instagram, I do feel like it is extremely rare for me to get a a nasty comment on Instagram. And to your point, when you kind of don't give it the attention, I think that helps even more because people just don't even, the other people don't even see it. And the people who are commenting aren't fed, you know, whatever they're looking to be fed. Fed, right? Yes. Okay. So a couple of rapid fire questions. What, if you had to kind of start a beginner routine for someone, let's say someone who has no real issues with their skin, their normal skin type. What what are kind of your essentials for a beginner routine? Very beginner. You don't want to scare them away. So you want to do a gentle cleanser, 
a rose water toner is really nice introduction into skincare and moisturizer sunscreen daytime super simple yeah. okay keep it simple i love that i love that um okay what about what are your thoughts on diy skincare are you a fan or not really i, I it depends on it it really depends you have to have some knowledge in skincare to be able to do DIY. And you also have to have some knowledge in skincare in order to be a receiver of DIY tutorials and all of that. Because if you're a retinol user and you see a DIY about lemon, you know, masks, you know, don't go and do a lemon mask, right? So it really depends. I do believe in it because of the, of my aloe mask upbringing, right? But Generally, for DIY, I would say no, because you really do need to have a little knowledge. And there's crazy stuff out there. So you can't give a blanket yes, because yeah. who knows what <laughs> you, what video you're going to come across next. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think about the at-home microneedling rollers? For at-home, I really don't like it, because I do believe that that's something more invasive and that's something a professional should be able to do for you in the treatment room. Yeah, I agree. And it's also something to me, I don't, I, I don't want to be doing that on myself at home. You know, it's the, the environment is different at home. You don't have the, um, controls that we have in somewhere, somewhere like an office to make sure that that's a safe procedure. What about microdermabrasion? I like microdermabrasion. I think it's great for a skin types that can handle it. If you're more sensitive, I would stay away from it. And what about pore vacuums? They're all over social media. I actually, I think they're okay as long as you don't overdo it, as long as you know how to use it. I know that they can leave marks if you have more sensitive skin, but um, definitely try to leave those things to professionals because, yeah, like a lot of the at-home stuff, you need a little more direction than just like pamphlet. Yes. Agreed. And what is your holy grail skin product? If there's one skincare product, you were on a desert island and you could bring one thing, what would it be? I'm going to say Glow Recipes Watermelon Glow Mask, because that's something that I, I always go back to when I just want to wake up super refreshed and glowing. And that's something you can use as a quick uh, mask, or you can use it as an overnight mask. I just have a love for overnight masks. And so that's one that I really, really love for many years. I like that one a lot too. I love glow recipe. So what would you say is the most underrated skin tip? Something that you don't hear people talking about, but is so easy to do. You wish more people incorporated. I think reapplying sunscreen is really underrated. I still don't feel like people do it. And, um, Applying your sunscreen in the morning, we all know is really important, but how often are we actually reapplying, especially for our makeup girlies and the people that are just busy or, you know, can't stop to wash your hands first, you know, all those different things come in the way. So I think reapplying is one of the most underrated um, tips that we hear, but we don't do. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's probably the best one I've gotten so far on these recordings because if you're spending lots of money on your skincare routine or your services, but you're not properly protecting your skin, it's all investment down the drain and time too, all the time that you're spending on your skin. So reapplying sunscreen is a really great way to protect that investment. 
And last question, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Stop going to the tanning salon, please. (laughs) Please stop going. Yes. Oh my gosh. Don't go to the tanning salon. I wish I could go back and and tell myself that too. I think sometimes it wakes me up at night thinking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I doing? (laughs) The damage that I, you know, I mean, there's so many things people don't even think about, but I think mine would be the same. Thank you for being on with me and for all of your insight. I really think that this is an area that I want to explore more personally. So I feel that my audience probably feels the same. And like I said, having a different point of view and some other options, I think is so important. So thank you for sharing your expertise with us. Thank you, Amy, for having me. I feel really honored. Of course. Am I the only one who cannot wait to do my face fitness tonight? I'm really excited to start implementing some of these exercises. And if you want to win face fitness, the book, just follow at Patricia San Pedro underscore on Instagram and let us know on this IG post what you're taking away from this episode for your own routine. As always, if you found this episode helpful, please rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to podcasts. Your support means the world to me. And I'll see you next week. Music.